I begin, my brothers and sisters, by saying the following. That every single one of us falls into sin. From the moment we are born, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places into us, even before we're born, the natural inclination of desire and temptation. And Allah created the angels, the humans, and the jinns, and the animals, as he has explained to us in the Qur'an. And we understand that the angels have an intellect but no desire. Therefore, they are not prone to sin, but they do have choice because the desires don't tempt them. The animals, they have only instinct and desire with a little bit of intellect, but not enough. Therefore, they work by their instinct and however they feel. As for the humans and jinns, Allah created us in between. We have intellect and we have desires and temptation. And we're constantly wrestling between the two. So we all sin, my brothers and sisters. But we all also have the tendency of taqwa, which is to return to Allah, to place a barrier. What is taqwa? It means to place a barrier between you and Allah's punishment. Taqwa also means to avoid sins because you love Allah and you honor Allah and respect Allah. Taqwa also mean, means the fear of losing Allah's connection and love. Taqwa also means to tread in your life carefully from the thorns that pave the way. And if you fall into a thorn, you cleanse yourself again and again and again until your soul leaves your body. And we can never understand this or appreciate it until we understand that we came from Allah. We have a purpose in this life. Everything in this life comes down to one thing. We have been created to worship and we are in a test at the moment. We're in an exam, whether you like it or not. And we are returning back to Allah and Allah knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows our secrets and our public affairs. And everything is written to detail. He will, he will hold us accountable and he is fair and just, but he's also merciful and forgiving. And he is also punishing for those who deserve it. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in Surah Al-Shams, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. By the nafs, by the way God has made you, and by the one who made you, the way he fashioned us, Allah says, he gave us the intellect to know right from wrong. He gave us the intellect from right from wrong, to know right from wrong. He who purifies themselves has succeeded, and he who obeys their desires has failed. It's as simple as that. Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Qur'an, 
ولله ما في السماوات وما في الأرض ليجزي الذين أساءوا بما عملوا ويجزي الذين أحسنوا بالحسنى الذين يجتنبون كبائر الإثم والفواحش إلا اللمم إن ربك واسع المغفرة الله سبحانه وتعالى says in Surah Al-Qamar To Allah alone belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth he will requite the evildoers for their deeds and bestow a goodly reward on those who have done good. On those who avoid grave sins and shameful deeds, even if they may sometimes stumble into lesser offenses, surely your Lord is abounding in his forgiveness. My brothers and sisters, in this verse of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, that we all have the tendency to do righteousness or sin. And that Allah tells us, those who avoid the bigger sins which God had forbidden, the major sins, the big offenses, Allah will forgive the minor offenses that we do, automatically, without doing anything. Your Lord's forgiveness is wide. But you have to be careful, my brothers and sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made major sins and minor sins. The minor sins are forgiven if you can stay away from the major sins. This is the deal Allah gives us on one condition. And we're going to talk about it in detail. That we do not take the minor sins for granted. And think that this is a green card. For us to sin against Allah with the minor things which He has forbidden and to think that we are going to paradise because of it, feeling okay about it and not caring that Allah hath forbidden even minor sins. And the other condition is not to insist on continuing on particular minor sins while you know that you are doing it, insisting again and again and again and again and again. So let us delve into this and talk about it in detail, insha'Allah. Three men came to the Prophet One of them wanted to be a super, three of them wanted to be super Muslims. The first one said, I have vowed never to eat in the day, fast every single day. The second one says, I have vowed never to go to sleep. I'm going to pray all night for the rest of my life. The third one said, I have vowed never to get married. I'm going to practice celibacy and avoid all haram all my life. When the Prophet ﷺ heard about them, he said, the extremists are soon to destruction. The extremists destroy themselves three times. He said, I eat and I, I, eat and I fast. I sleep and I pray and I marry women. Then... He said, Prophet said, said, By the one who possesses my soul in his hand, If you were not to sin, Allah would have perished you and wiped you all off the earth. And he would have, re he would have created a new being, 
who sin. فَيَسْتَغْفِرُونَ اللَّهِ And they will ask Allah to forgive them over and over again, turning to Him in repentance all the time. تَعَالَى فَيَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ And He will forgive them. The hadith is in Sahih Muslim. My brothers and sisters, people should not misunderstand this hadith and take it in a way that will harm them. It is not a green light to say, I'm allowed to sin because of this hadith. The hadith is talking about two things. Number one, the extremism, where people think that they can live a life without any sin at all. That is impossible. In fact, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us with a tendency to sin? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is At-Tawwab, the one who, forget, who forgives, the one who loves when his servant returns. Al-Ghafoor, the one who constantly forgives. Al-Rahim, how is his name going to be manifested if we don't sin and return to him and he is At-Tawwab? That's who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And he loves to forgive. At the same time, at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, يستغفرون. They seek Allah's forgiveness. It's not just like that, which is go ahead, don't do major sins, pray my prayers, and continue in all my minor sins as if I'm living and strolling, loving life, with doing all the sins so long as they're minor. Brothers and sisters, that's not the way. For if I love to do even minor sins, what am I thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Who is Allah to me? What does He mean to me? If you love your wife or you love your husband, you love your children, sometimes you want to do something, right? But if you love your parents or your children so much, you are ready to sacrifice and even things that are, you know, things that are not bad, you will avoid them or if you want, you know, whatever desires, whatever time you have, you'll give it up because of your love for these people. What about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave us everything that we have? And that is why the scholars used to say, do not look at the size of the sin, but look at, consider who you are sinning against, who you are disobeying. You're disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Beware of the insignificant sins. What does it mean insignificant? Not that the sins are insignificant. Beware of you, what most people look at as whatever. Simple sins, they're just minor sins. For he said, those who take minor sins for granted, they're like this. It's like a group of people going into a valley and they want to light up a fire. So one person goes and gets a stick, one stick. Another person goes and gets another stick. And a third person, a fourth person, a fifth person. Let's say there's a hundred of them. And now suddenly you have a hundred sticks and you can light up a fire. Suddenly you have a fire. The minor sins are like these little sticks. You get a little bit of a, one sin here, another sin there, another sin there, another sin there, another sin there. Not caring, not caring. We're not talking about people who, uh, we all sin every day. But they're the people who don't care. They take it for granted, they know what it is and they don't care. Sins after sins after sins, it's like that and then the fire is ignited. 
So my brothers and sisters, let us delve and talk about it, inshallah. What is a sin in Islam? A sin is something which Allah has forbidden, either in the Qur'an or by his Prophet Muhammad وسلم, in an authentic hadith or both. It is forbidden, it's called an offense, it is the difference between right and wrong things. It's similar to illegal activity, doing a legal offense, disobeying the law, crossing a red light, all those. But disobeying Allah's law. In Islam, there is no such concept as an original sin. This is a Christian concept, especially Catholics. They believe that because of our father Adam ate from the forbidden tree, that we inherited an original sin. And that is why we have the tendency to sin, they say. And that is why in some of the denominations they get baptized. Because when they get baptized, they say that it's an atonement sacrament which gets rid of or prepares them again from the major original sin. They still have the tendency to sin, they say, but they've inherited this original sin. We Muslims and the Quran says no. Allah says, وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبَعَثَ رَسُولًا Allah says, no person will carry the burden and the sin of another person. And Allah says, we will never punish anyone until a messenger comes to them. You have to be warned first, you have to know, the, the path has to be cleared to you, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold people accountable. In Islam, we also have three types of people who don't get sins. Number one, a person who is in asleep, literally in his sleep, and slept in. Whatever he or she says or does, let's say they accidentally slept past the salat, even though they had the intention to wake up, and they tried their best, but out of their control, there is no sin upon you while you are asleep. Number two, a person who is a child. A child until they reach puberty. There is no sin on a child. And number three, a person who has lost his mind or her mind or has a mental, a, a real mental illness or disorder that is very clear that this person has no control over their actions. A majnoon, yani a person who has junoon or a person who has gone unconscious or a person who has lost memory or some kind of issue Cognitively. These people, to various degrees, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows who deserves sin and who doesn't. The Prophet also said, From my ummah, from my nation, mistakes and forgetfulness has been lifted off them. The, the sin of mistake and forgetfulness has been lifted. If you genuinely forgot a duty that you had to do, you genuinely made a mistake, you assumed something genuinely, but then you found out that you had it wrong and it ended up being a sin, the pen is lifted off you. However, brothers and sisters, we cannot use ignorance as an excuse for everything. You and I may not know that something is a sin, and we're not going to know everything, of course. However, if we are not actively learning our deen, 
and we have given up. We don't want to learn, we don't want to read, we don't want to ask. And we're just living our life just for this life. No concern for the deen. For the red person reaches 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and still doesn't know that there are five daily prayers, for example. Still doesn't know that pork is haram. Still doesn't know that uh, alcohol is haram, for example. Or that riba is haram. Or that fasting is a must. Or hajj is a must. This is not an acceptable ignorance. But if a person did not have the opportunity to learn because of circumstances, that's a different story. Things that the majority of people already know as Muslims, every Muslim has to know it. And if they didn't know, they must seek repentance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and learn it. Imam al-Shafi'i, if you know who he is, the great Imam al-Shafi'i says, Ignorance, if we were to give an excuse for all the ignorance, then it would be better for people not to know, to stay ignorant, so that they don't feel the pain of sin and they don't regret, just live their life on, uh, what's it called? On uh, auto, autopilot. Better not to know. They say ignorance is bliss. No, we don't have that. We are, have a duty to learn. Of course, there are things that are too hard to know, like scholars know about them. We are exempt from that within our capacity, inshallah. Things like the five daily salat, like fasting Ramadan, zakat, hajj, the main forbidden things that everybody knows. We don't have an excuse to remain ignorant about them, brothers and sisters. The details is a different story. My brothers and sisters, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create sin? Allah created us with desires and temptations. So why make the sin upon us when He made us this way? Allah did not make us sinful, brothers and sisters. He gave us the tendency and He gave us the intellect and the power and the will to fight it. But we must be responsible for how we use our desires and temptations. Allah created desires and temptations which are the cause of our sins. But why? Because desires and temptations are needed for us in our life. They give us joy. They give us happiness. They allow us to live our lives in certain ways. For example, there's temptation and desire between a husband and wife. It encourages them to get married, to get closer, to be intimate with each other. There's desire for food. Allah SWT wants you to enjoy what He has given you. There's love for uh, you know, joking and entertainment so that we can use it with our children, with our friends to lighten up the mood and to help each other keep going in life. There's all these different desires and temptations and they're good. We need them. But we have to be responsible in how we use them because we can use them in the wrong way. A person can follow their desire to a point where they do, where they murder. Where they betray, where they rape, where they steal, where they cheat. That's not where the desire should be placed. The desire should be placed in the right place. Since Allah created desires and temptations, brothers and sisters, He told us to be responsible with how we use them. It necessitates that Allah says, don't use it this way, use it that way. I will reward you for using it in the right way and I will Hold you accountable if you use it in the wrong way. Allah says, Allah also pardons many things. Brothers and sisters, sins are a test of our truthfulness, our trust in Allah and our obedience to Him. 
They are to distinguish between those deserving of Allah's reward and those who are not. Sins are there, God said, forbidden things, haram things, to ward off harm from us, since humans are filled with desire and temptation, and to protect your rights and other people's rights. For example, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbid intoxicants, alcohol and wine, intoxicants? Because of the major harm it causes to you and other people. And at the moment, if you just look it up, just Google it, any, any place, you will find that the number one cause in the world for the most crimes committed is alcohol. The number one cause for domestic violence in families is alcohol. And Allah says in the Quran, alcohol, intoxicants is the right name, and gambling, they have good in them in some ways. But their harm outweighs their good. What is the harm? Breaking families, causing crime. And what's funny is that in a lot of the Western legal systems, a person... If they are drunk, they allow them to drink. They can get drunk. This is all right. There's no legal penalty. But if they commit a crime, they are accountable. It's an offense. Why allow it and then call it an offense? Whereas in Islam, both of them are an offense. Drinking and committing. Since it forbids you from drinking in the first place even a drop, then you are responsible for the outcome of getting drunk as a result and committing crime. That's just one example. The example of sleeping around, zina, adultery, and fornication. In the 80s and 90s, there was a, an epidemic of AIDS and HIV. The scientists got together after millions were wiped out. Tens, hundreds of millions were wiped out as a result of AIDS and HIV because people slept in a way that is haram. Adultery and fornication. And when they discovered a way to treat HIV, till today, we still have STDs and STIs rampant everywhere. Uncurable diseases still there. As an example, I'm just giving you a few examples. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forbid something unless it's harmful to you or to test you with it. And we have a soul, a mind and a body. And we are responsible for our soul, our mind and our body. Every sin has a, a negative effect on our soul, a negative effect on our hearts, and a negative effect on our body and mind. Every sin, brothers and sisters. And every sin has an effect later on. You may not see the effect now, you'll probably see the effect later. Years to come sometimes. Every sin has an effect. And we are indebted to our sins. However, the only way out is changing our ways, repentance, and some other ways which we're going to talk about, inshallah. My brothers and sisters, there are different types of sinners. There are the sinners who justify their sin. There are sinners who will argue with the Qur'an and will only accept the sins which they accept, which they want. As for the sins they cannot accept, they will argue with the Qur'an. This is disbelief in Allah. There is a difference between a person who is a servant to their sin, who has got a problem, and a person who tries to say, no, 
reinterpret the verses of the Quran according to his or her whims and desires. And a person who does their sin while admitting it's wrong. Both are still sins, but one is kufr, one is disbelief, one is major sin. There are sinners who do the sin but only feel regret for some of them, but don't feel regret for others. Some others, we got so used to them, it's a habit, and we no longer feel any of the flame inside our heart towards it. In fact, we enjoy it and we look forward to the next sin in the same way. Addictions and habits. Brothers and sisters, and there are those who do regret, but they can't leave it. And there are those who want to regret, but they can't regret. What do we do about them? We say, look for the cause. Some people, they sin and they don't regret. They can't feel it. But then when they hear a lecture, or they hear a verse of the Qur'an, or a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which moves the heart, or a warning, or hear about hellfire, or judgment day, or Allah, subhanAllah, suddenly they feel it. So what have I done? Who am I? What have I become? And this is not bad for you, brothers and sisters. It's not bad for your health. It is good for your health, inshallah. So long as your mindset is right. So long as you know what you need to do. What do you do about it? If you were sick, you go to the doctor. If you are in pain, you ask for the medicine. You get remedies, isn't that correct? If not one thing didn't work, you try another way, isn't that right? Same with sins. If this doesn't work, I try another way. I return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, having said all this, there are two types of sins. Major sins and minor sins. What is the difference between the major and the minor? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says also in Surah Al-Qamar, Allah says, if you can avoid the major sins of what we have forbidden, we will forgive your minor sins automatically and let you enter a generous, beautiful entrance into paradise. So therefore there's major and there is minor. What are they? The major and serious sins, brothers and sisters, the ulama, the scholars have classified them in the following way. They said, there are approximately 70 in number. Approximately. And they have different degrees of severity. Some are less, some are more. Not all of them apply to us. Some of them apply in the past, they don't apply now. But there are 13 that are mentioned by name in the Quran and Hadith. The rest of them, we know them by the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attaches a warning or a punishment to them in the Quran or in the Sunnah, in the Hadith. The 13 that are mentioned by name are the following. Associating partners with Allah. This is not only a major sin, but it's also disbelief in Allah. Associating partners with Allah. The second one that is mentioned by name, mistreatment and abuse of parents. That is mentioned in the second degree. So our parents have a great right on, upon us. Number three, false witness. 
perjury. Where, by giving a false witness, you're going to cause harm for someone else. Lying as a witness. Number four, murder. Murdering. Number five, sorcery, voodoo, magic, real magic that people do. Number six, consuming the wealth of orphans. I know it doesn't apply to most of us here, but those who are sponsoring orphans or foster orphans, donations come to the orphans and what happens is they take it instead of using it for the orphans. This is something that's to be done in the past and some places today. Number seven, riba, usury, consuming usury. Today the new name is called interest. Number, what number? Eight. This doesn't apply to us now, but this is in the case of the battlefield. When there is a charge, the Muslims have to charge for a person to leave and abandon their brothers and sisters during the charge. Number nine, accusing a chaste woman. Do you see, subhanAllah, in this hadith, a chaste woman is mentioned that we are, it is forbidden, is, a, is one of the big major sins to accuse her of committing adultery or fornication when she is known to be chaste, meaning she is not known to sleep with other men in a haram way. She's not known for wickedness. And a person accuses her is a major sin. The next one, a false oath. You say, Wallahi on a lie. Wallahi, deliberately on a lie, is a major sin. Because using Allah's name. The next one, when a person curses or swears at their parents. This is mentioned different to the other one. The other one is more of an action and treatment. This one is more of verbal. Cursing a person's parents. And I warn you, brothers and sisters, there's a hadith of Prophet ﷺ, he says, there will come a time when people will swear at their own father. They said, how ya Rasulullah? He said, they will swear at other people's fathers, then that person will swear at his father, it's as if he swore at his own father. So we don't involve parents. Number 12, killing a child. Killing your own child. This is abortion. And in the past, they used to bury their children alive. Sometimes people have babies and they go and throw them in the bin or in the, on the streets and end up dying. This is a major sin, infanticide. And subhanAllah, one of the reasons in the modern world that leads to that is when people go around having sexual relationships, but they're not married. And so a lot of them are young, 14, 15, 16 years old. And they're not committed yet for marriage, but they can have a boyfriend and girlfriend and sleep around. Or sleep with one guy, it doesn't matter. When we say sleeping around, it's a multiple. All of that is forbidden in Islam, we see the result of it. Many of them in hospitals, and I've actually personally asked in different hospitals, or when I've been there for different reasons, asked midwives, I've asked nurses about these things. Because I'm a teacher and I, know, I like to know what's going on in the world of the youth. They say a lot of 15s and 16s get abortions on a weekly basis because they can't be mothers yet. Obviously, they're very young. In my mind, I'm saying, subhanAllah, 
We forbid marriage. Marriage is forbidden by law. But to sleep with another guy and be pregnant and get an abortion is permissible by law. Whereas in Islam, it cuts the problem from its root. There is no sexual relationships before marriage. Next, the last one was zina bi zawjatil jar. This is a bit odd, but it used to happen a lot and probably does happen now in secret. Committing adultery or fornication with the wife of your neighbor. It's probably uh, a bit, bit odd for us. It happens a lot. Why? Because the neighbors are closest. And because your neighbors, a lot of people tend to trust each other too much, but there's a boundary in Islam. So these things happen a lot. Now, brothers and sisters, any major sin, any sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, or the Prophet ﷺ, and attaches a punishment or a warning or a curse or an anger, or if it has a punishment in Sharia law or has a punishment in the hereafter that is mentioned, know that this is a major sin. How do you know as a lay person, as a, as a commoner or a person who hasn't studied Sharia? Well, you've got to ask the people of knowledge. And the more you know, the more you abstain, inshallah. Here are some other examples which the scholars have enumerated about major sins. Each one of the ones I'm about to mention now, obviously they vary in degrees of severity. Some are worse than others. They all have an attachment of punishment or warning or anger from Allah or a curse attached to them. The first one, as I said before, is shirk, which is making puns of Allah, murder. And I'm going to add a few more details here. Just some of the, some of the more common ones. Suicide, abortion, Serious injustice to others, zulm, serious injustice. Not doing your obligatory acts of worship. For example, missing the five daily prayers is a major sin, brothers and sisters. Not fasting Ramadan or even one day is a major sin. Not paying your zakah is a major sin. Not covering in the way that Allah ordered us to cover. Men have a specific way of covering in front of uh, other people. And women have a specific way of covering in front of non-mahrams and other people. Hijab, the awra. It's a major sin to reveal them. Another one is adultery, fornication and homosexuality. Acting upon these three, doing them, is a major sin. Perjury and false witness in court or false witness when it means others will be harmed. We said this. Riba, which is user in interest. Gambling. Theft, extortion, serious blackmail, deliberately avoiding paying a debt, a debt that you owe to someone that you're supposed to give back, according to Islam, is a major sin if you don't pay it deliberately and you were able to pay it. Not the person who is unable, but the person who is able, unless the person forgives you. Included in that debt, brothers and sisters, this applies to the brothers, the mahar, the bridal gift, or the way they call it, the dowry, or the dower of your wife, which you promised in the beginning of marriage. If you have not given that, and it's owed to her, and she requests it, and you refuse to give it, this is a major sin. It's a debt. Accusing a chaste woman, intoxicants, wine, alcohol, and recreational drugs which can intoxicate a person. As for eating pork and non-halal meat, there is a difference of opinion among the scholars. Some say it's in the major category, others they say it's the minor. Doing it once is a minor sin. Doing it many times becomes a major sin. Another one is harmful backbiting. 
The scholars differed on whether backbiting is a major sin or minor sin. In general, if the backbiting involves accusation of another person, a slander, it's not true, or can cause serious harm to the person physically or their reputation or their family and property, then it is a major sin, that type of backbiting. The other type of backbiting is the one that is uh, very minor. Uh, it doesn't go beyond there. It doesn't cause any harm to the other person. That goes into a minor sin. So not all backbiting is major. However, there is a type of backbiting that is a major sin in all cases. And that's called the gossiper who incites or provokes conflict between people. That one is called namam or namima. Rasul once passed two graves. The hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. And, he, and he, the companions saw him get a plant. I don't know what kind of plant it was again. He split it into two and put one on each grave. This doesn't mean that we put plants. It was the Prophet ﷺ. He did this specifically for these two graves from the blessing of his hands. And he said, these two men in there are being punished. And they are not being punished for something that you consider big in your eyes, O people. The first one used to take for granted najasa. Najasa means impurities. He used to go to the toilet and doesn't care that the urine used to splash all over his clothes and go and pray with them and worship Allah with them, never cared about cleaning himself. Now, I don't want people to get into a paranoia from this. Some people, they get into obsessive compulsive disorder. Little bits that you are not aware of, it doesn't matter, inshallah. They are the people who deliberately and actively neglect themselves. That's why young people avoid urinals. And if you can, the sunnah is to sit. And it's also healthy for you. Recent studies have shown this, that long-term it helps prevent certain uh, diseases, prostate cancer and so on, if you sit down, even for number one. So anyway, that's what happened. He said the second person used to walk around with namima. He used to go around gossiping to other people about things that would cause conflict and fights between people. That is a major sin, my brothers and sisters. And one more, deliberately praying in a state of junub. You know what junub is, right? An example of junub is when a person wakes up from bed with a wet dream and doesn't have a shower, knows that they are in that state and goes and prays. It's a major sin. You have to shower before it. Or married people, if you after intercourse, you don't shower and then you go and pray deliberately. This is also a major sin. So, this is, these are some of the major sins. Let's go to the minor sins now, inshallah. What is a minor sin? We learned that a major sin are any sins which accompany a, a, a warning from Allah, a punishment, a curse, uh, an anger from Allah, a strong, stern warning. These are major sins. The minor sins, therefore, are all the rest that do not come with punishment or warnings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may have said, avoid it. The Prophet may have said, avoid it. But there's no stern warning. These are called minor sins. My brothers and sisters, what are the minor sins? For example, they are day-to-day -day minor sins that people do. And we all are prone to sin, as we said. Such as, these are some of the ones that I've listed and done some research about them. Looking at forbidden things. So a person looks at the awrah, nudity or nakedness, or a sexual image, looking at the awrah, 
For example, if a man looks at another woman passing by in a way that is sexual, or someone who's not covered well and we deliberately look at them, or on the internet, or pornography, these looking at it once is a minor sin. Looking at it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and not caring, and finding uh, enjoyment again and looking forward to the next time and the next time and the next time what do you think is going to happen brothers and sisters what happens to minor sins when we continue 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 deliberately it becomes a habit and a major sin, a habit and a major sin. how do habits become Ibn al-Qayyim says everything starts with a thought if you don't repel the thought it turns into an idea if you don't repel the idea, it turns into a plan. If you don't repel the plan, it turns into an action. If you repeat the action again and again, eventually it becomes a habit and then an addiction. There is a way, insha'Allah, out through repentance and reverse, insha'Allah ta'ala. But, khalik my habibi. We'll talk about repentance and how to deal with this soon. Number two, listening to forbidden things. Anything that's forbidden, such as listening to gossip, listening to swear words over and over again. So be careful with the rap music, brothers and sisters. Some scholars assume, some scholar, majority of scholars are of the opinion that music in general is haram. There is a minor, minority of scholars, past and present, who consider some music halal with conditions. We're not going to go into that, that. But either way, brothers and sisters, what is agreed upon is that it is a minor sin. And listening to gossip and all that stuff and haram words and things like that is a minor sin. So you've got to try and avoid it as much as you can. As much as you can. Touching or kissing the opposite gender, who are non-mahram, non-mahram, not your daughter or your wife or your mother or so on, non-mahrams. Kissing, hugging, touching. Some of the brothers, they say, they say to me sometimes, Ya Sheikh, or if they're students, Sir, Alhamdulillah, I have never committed adultery or fornication. So, I've done everything, sir, but wallah. When it came to the major one, I stopped. I'm strong, sir, I fear Allah. So, Habibi, sometimes the accumulation of repetition over and over and over and over can becomes worse than zina itself sometimes. Why? Because the effect can be worse. Some people I know have committed adultery and fornication. This is not to make it any lighter but committed adultery and fornication and it caused them to repent to Allah and never return again and change their life. But when we take the small ones for granted, the shaitan, he comes to you and he knows this guy is not going to go astray with alcohol. I can't bring the alcohol to him. Not with a woman to his doorstep or a man. I can't do that. I can't make them eat pork. I can't make them kill. But ah, I can make them feel like the minor sins are okay. And by the time they're dead, they would have gotten all these amazing minor sins and I'll be laughing. Brothers and sisters, be careful. So once or twice, you repent again, you pray your salat, you go back to it, you feel regret, you feel pain, you don't like doing it. That's a different story. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Being alone with the opposite gender in a secluded place, a man and a woman who are not mahrams to each other in a closed room is a minor sin. However, be careful of that. Minor sins lead to major sins. That's why they're called minor sins. Rasul says, illa wa kana 
Any man or woman who seclude themselves alone, the shaitan is always their third. Always their third. Don't give me ifs, ands and buts, brothers and sisters. Because we know as humans, one thing leads to another. Am I right or wrong? Honestly with ourselves. The only way out of it is to be honest with ourselves. And to stop. Don't even get there, inshallah. Don't come close to zina. Lying. Lying, there's a difference of opinion among the scholars. Some say they're major sins, some say minor sins. Others, which is the middle ground, they say it depends on what kind of lying it is. If it's a lying which causes serious harm to other people, such as perjury, false witness, selling goods and cheating a person, selling them a, defa a faulty item for a big price and so on, all of this is lying, this is major sin. As for lying where it's day-to-day -day, like what we do sometimes, we call them white lies, sometimes a yellow lie, sometimes, but it's not harming anyone, they're minor sins. However, accumulation of this does develop a habit of a lying person. And a lying person who constantly lies in everything they say, yeah, and this type of a person, their heart will become dirtier as time goes and eventually they will fall into bigger crime. My brothers and sisters, watching something uh, watching, say, a movie or something like that, and inappropriate things popping up. These are minor sins. Swearing and cursing. So when I say cursing, as in the swear words at someone or saying things that hurt them is a minor sin. Uh, jealousy and grudges are a minor sin unless you have a right to hold a grudge, unless you have a right. But in general, they're minor sins. Uh, false or unjustifiable anger so carrying out acting upon an anger that is unjustified we are allowed to get angry in fact sometimes we must get angry and we get rewarded for it when we get angry for the sake of Allah but obviously there has to be wisdom in how we apply it the anger that takes you out of your state of mind you start throwing things around and saying things with not even paying attention is a minor sin and if you cause harm to someone, it becomes a major sin if you cause, and sometimes it can cause murder, la samahallah. So be careful of anger, try to calm it down. I'll give you a little hint of how to control anger, inshallah. It's just one little hint, inshallah. Brothers and sisters, did you know biologically, when you get angry, when you get angry, the reasoning process, thinking, is delayed literally by 10 seconds. How many seconds? 10. The thought process and the anger, they have a race. The anger comes out first and literally within 10 seconds, your brain thinks. So if you are angry and you act upon the anger, you are delaying the thought process. You continue to get yourself angry, angry, angry. Each one is 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds. But if you can take from the moment you're angry, just wait 10 seconds somehow, just 10 seconds, you will find, subhanAllah, you start thinking. And when you start thinking, you control that anger and direct it in the right place. Just look at people with road rage, for example. As soon as they get angry, they act upon it within the first 10 seconds. That's why problems happen. But if you can wait 10 seconds, you find yourself calming down and you start thinking. This is a biological fact. You start thinking. Another reason why people get angry is because you feel your right has, taken, has been taken. Someone passed in front of you in the car. Take 10 seconds and then think, hold on a minute. I've done it to other people before. This person doesn't mean it. Probably in a hurry. Oh, just, just take it. It wasn't really personal. 
And suddenly your anger starts to calm down because you found a reason that, hold on a minute, it's not really personal. So there are, there, there's actually really good lessons on YouTube. You can find them, inshallah, by some sheikhs and by experts who talk about how to control the anger. Number, the last ones is uh, harming your neighbor with minor things. You know, what people do day to day, minor things with neighbor. Uh, others are, for example, smoking cigarettes, smoking shisha, argila, nargila. Uh, that big thing that looks like a bong. <laughs> shisha. Vape. Vaping is a good one. All these are minor sins which accumulate and harm you, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, urinating or going to the toilet to do number one, number two, while facing the qibla deliberately is a minor sin, for example. Uh, bringing impurities to the mosque is a minor sin. And you know there's impurities on you and you enter the mosque with it deliberately is a minor sin. Praying in times which are disliked, such as when the sun is rising or setting, is a minor sin. It's not a major one. Uh, speaking when the imam is give, delivering the khutbah is a minor sin. Continuing to sell and buy when you know it's time for Jumu'ah, for example, and you don't go and you delay it is a minor sin. Uh, leading the salat, if you're going to pray imam, while well, you know the people don't want you to pray as imam. Odd, but it's there. Uh, when you know that your brother has proposed to a particular girl for marriage, proposed, and you go and you propose to her in secret as well. This is a minor sin and can probably cause a big fight. And uh, I remember one brother, he proposed to seven sisters at once. <laughs> Each one didn't know that he had proposed to the other one. So he's kind of seeing his options, right? Which one works out in the end? He'll just get rid of the other ones and go with the one that works. These sisters, they happen to communicate with each other. <laughs> I think social media had first come out. And one of them said, meet me here. The brother went to meet them, guess what? All seven of them are waiting for him. <laughs> Together. You bring seven women together, man, that's World War Three. The brother goes to me as soon as I saw them from a distance. They all looked at me, he goes, Wallahi, I didn't enter. I just got in my car, I ran away and I travelled, went to my home country and I married someone there. <laughs> he ran away. <laughs> he escaped the country, brothers and sisters. Who what? He will get shahada. He'll say the shahada if you went in there, that's correct. So brothers and sisters, this you can see why minor sins can cause... And it's not a minor sin for him to propose to several sisters. It's not a sin at all actually. But, obviously you've got to use your logic. It can cause you harm. But anyway, uh, sometimes a sister may know two brothers came and proposed to her. She won't say about one but, or the other and see which one's my options. This is minor sin, brothers and sisters. Uh, Conflict a lot. You fight a lot with people. Verbal fighting a lot. This happens between husband and wife a lot or with your children and with you know, your, your, your friends. Fighting a lot all the time. Always fighting and arguing. These are minor sins that accumulate. Abandoning your Muslim brother or sister. Not talking to them. I don't want to talk to you. 
And then, you know, we're not talking for days and weeks. And you might think, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't accept their good deeds. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, but there's no punishment attached to it. And the good deeds, eventually, they're, on, they're put on hold. So on the day of judgment, Allah brings them and says, okay, what's going on? Come over here. What are we going to do with this? And he judges them. And eventually the good deeds start getting distributed as they should. But it's a minor sin, not a major sin. And uh, brothers and sisters, there are many, many minor sins are many. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an and Prophet tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that we sin and He pardons us and He forgives us. So what is the way out, my dear brothers and sisters, finally? The way out, brothers and sisters, is not to confess your sin, number one. Don't go out confessing and thinking you have to tell people, you have to tell parents, you have to tell the Imam so you can lift that guilt off you. You don't need to do that. In fact, it's probably a sin to go and expose your sin. And you probably give other people ideas They'll say, my God, this person who I always see in the masjid, all their life they've been doing these sins, and then you come and tell them, Wallah, bro, you say, bro, I've been doing these sins, Wallah, I feel bad about it. And then they might say to you, khalas, repent to Allah, brother. But you might give them ideas. Maybe they tell other people, maybe you tell a group of friends, they get ideas. Maybe they would have thought of you as mashaAllah, and then they find out, hold on a minute, this person's also a sinner like me. So they take it easy with their sins. Don't expose your sins. That's number one. Number two, brothers and sisters, we don't get baptized, I know that. But that's what Catholics do, get baptized. We don't, we don't need someone to do a ritual for us. So there's no rituals, whether it's baptism or anything else. How? There are two ways. The minor sins has one way, and the major sins has another way. Don't mix the two. Let's start with the minor sins. How do I get rid of my accumulated minor sins over the years? Very easy, brothers and sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says firstly in the Quran here is a beautiful positive hope. Allah says, Allah wants to forgive and wants you to return to Him and accept your repentance. But those who follow their desires and you accompany them, they want to turn you away from Allah and away from your right path, a great turning away. Allah wants to lessen your burden. He doesn't want harm on you. And man was created weak. Meaning Allah knows we have desires. So Allah knows. He understands what you're going through. Some people regret. Some people feel bad about their sin. They can't leave it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And He will assist you. But He wants you to come back. He wants you to do something. Just take a step and Allah will give you the next step. Take another step. Allah will come to you ten steps. Come walking to Him. Allah will come running to you. Just try it my brothers and sisters. Wallahi. Once you make that decision you'll feel the willpower. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Repent all of you believers. Repent and return back to Allah, O honorable believers, so that you may reach success and salvation. So my brothers and sisters, repentance and returning to Allah is the key. Minor sins. Allah says, if you avoid the major sins, I will forgive you your minor sins. That's one way. 
Don't do the major sins, you have a greater chance of your minor sins being automatically forgiven. Number two, Allah says, أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ طَرَفَيِ النَّهَارِ وَزُلَفًا مِّنَ اللَّيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيْئَاتِ Allah says, perform your salah, your prayers, in the day and in the night. Verily, good deeds wipe away bad deeds. When you do good deeds, it wipes away your minor sins. So, here is a way, brothers and sisters. Never leave a minor sin unattended. Even if you spent the entire night looking at something you shouldn't be looking a thousand times, make sure, inshallah, you go and make wudu. The next day you do something, give sadaqah, you pray a couple of prayers, you do some good deeds, and then regret what you've done. At least you have better chance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive your sin. And you'll keep that heart going. You'll keep that repentance going. There is a difference between somebody who does their minor sins and then gives up hope and says, I've got no hope. And then just keeps going on autopilot like that. Allahu Akbar. You are destroying yourself, brothers and sisters. Destroying yourself. Return. Allah says in the Quran, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Say, O oh Muhammad, Say, O oh, to them on my behalf, O oh, my slaves, O oh, my servants, who have overburdened themselves with regret and pain because of their sins. Do not despair and give up hope from the mercy of Allah. Allah forgives all sins. Allah is the oft forgiver, most merciful. وَأَنِيبُوا Come back. وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابُ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ Come close to Allah, Allah says. Come close with your good deeds. Come close with your worship. Come close to Allah. Even while you are dirty with sins, come close to Allah. Come close to Him. And submit yourself to Him. Tell Him, Oh my Lord, I'm weak. I have a problem. My Lord, help me. I'm still there. It's been five years. Ya Rabb. Ya Rabb, when are you going to take this off me? Continue. Allah says, stay close to me and complain to me about your sins. Don't leave me. One day, inshallah, maybe one day it'll go. Before, Allah says, before a day comes when the punishment of your Lord will come and no one will save you. Don't leave Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, this is the way to deal with minor sins. Always do good deeds. Your wudu takes away minor sins. Your fasting takes away minor sins. Sadaqah takes away minor sins. Saying a good word to your mother at home takes away minor sins. Saying a good word to your father. Looking after your children and being kind to them. Being merciful to a pet. Being merciful to an animal, subhanAllah. Being good to your neighbor. Saying assalamu alaikum to someone. Smiling is a sadaqah. Moving a harmful object from the street, even if it's something small, is a sadaqah. Restraining your anger takes away your minor sins. 
Forgiving someone takes away your minor sins. Subhanallah. From salat to salat forgives the minor sins in between. From jumu'ah to jumu'ah forgives the minor sins. From hajj to hajj, from umrah to umrah, from uh, Ramadan to Ramadan, fasting the day of Arafah, fasting the day of Muharram. All of these runs is dua, saying astaghfirullah al-azim, saying la ilaha illallah, reciting the Qur'an. Mu'adh radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulallah, give me advice. He said, ittaqillaha haythu ma kunt. Fear Allah wherever you are. Wa'atbi'i sayyi'ata al-hasanata tamhuha. And follow up your bad deed with a good deed, wipe it away. وَخَالِقِ النَّاسَ بِخُلُقٍ حَسَنٍ And live on good terms with people. All of these brothers and sisters wipe away the minor sins, insha'Allah. So long as you continue them, they will wipe away and there is hope, insha'Allah ta'ala. Just don't take them for granted and say, Yalla, I'm okay, I'm going straight to paradise. Don't think like that. The whole idea is say to yourself, I, am, I, I know myself, I am sinful in ways and I ask Allah to forgive me. I'll continue my good deeds. My brothers and sisters, lastly, major sins. How do you get rid of major sins? Major sins, brothers and sisters, there's only one way. No two ways. Major sins are only forgiven by Allah in one way. And there are four conditions. You've got to meet these four conditions. The first three are for everybody. And the fourth one is for specific cases. What are they? Number one, stop that major sin. Al-Iqla' Stop it. How can someone repent to Allah and ask Him to forgive them when they still got the intention to do it tomorrow? If you ask Allah to forgive you for something and in the back of your mind you're intending tomorrow to do it or tonight, that's not repentance. If you repent to Allah and in your mind you're saying, mm, we'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe not. You have not sincerely repented. So until that happens, you've done the first condition. Number two is regret. You've got to regret the sin. I said before, some people can't regret. They've been in it for so long and they say to themselves, I can't regret. We say to you, look for the cause. Recite Qur'an, learn from the Qur'an, go to a lecture, pick up something about the Day of Judgment on YouTube, listen to it, uh, go and sit with somebody who's knowledgeable and, and maybe and, you know, tell them what can I do. Maybe they'll remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something like that, inshaAllah. Once you, you hear it in a Jum'ah khutbah, it hits you, inshaAllah. So don't abandon the masjids, don't abandon good religious friends, don't abandon these places, brothers and sisters, because they will remind you, inshaAllah. And lastly, make a commitment by asking Allah to forgive you. Make wudu, pray two rakahs and lift your hands up and say, Oh Allah, forgive me. Forgive me, Ya Rabb, from my heart and I promise you not to return to it. The fourth condition is if you owe someone a right that you have taken from them. The tawbah, the repentance is not complete until you have returned what you took from them. If it's their reputation, try and make it up to them. By asking them forgiveness. Or by going and trying to fix. And if you can't fix it, mend. Do something good for them. Give sadaqah on their behalf. Make dua for them. Look after their children. Go and ask for them. Mend with them. Do something that you can help them with. If it's something you stole, return it or pay them for it. If you cheated them in business, go and be honest with yourself. What did you cheat them with? Go and pay them back. Yes, brothers and sisters. If you sold them something that was faulty and you lied to them, go back to them, call them. I know a brother, when he was about, subhanAllah, 19 years old, he said to me, he was sitting in the car and he said to me, this was a long time ago, he said, you know, 
Wallah, I've been listening to many lectures. I've listened to the Quran. I go to Rajumu'ah now. I pray at the masjid and Wallah, my heart has opened up. I repent to Allah and I'm changing my life. I said, Alhamdulillah, I hugged him and congratulated him. He said to me, there's one thing still on my mind. I said, what is it? He said, when I was 16, I stole a pair of jeans from some street here in, in Melbourne, from a shop. And I never returned the money or anything. I said, Tayyib, that's easy. Is the guy still there? He goes, the owner is still there. I checked. He goes, go and pay him for it. He said, what if he uh, you know, becomes nasty with me? I said, good. Wait until he closes his shop. Put the money in an envelope. How much was it? It was this much. I said, put a little letter, anonymous, and whack it under the, under the, the door. Where there's a will, there's a way. You can fi find it out. And the shaitan won't be able to... The shaitan's... You know... You know <laughs> The shaitan is so weird, right? If he can't get you one way, he gets you another way, right? Um, so when, you, when the shaitan is around, you lose ideas. You don't know what to do anymore. He comes and tells you, man, you're stuffed. You're finished. you got no hope. Allah's going to punish you. Where you think your salat is? You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. And these whispers come through your head. Here you are telling people, and you've stolen a pair of pants. Allah will never forgive you. You're going to hellfire. He'll probably even make you, somehow, someone will come and meet with you, or on the internet, and he'll push someone and whisper to them to write something terrible, say, you, you're a hypocrite, just to make you even feel worse. That's how the shaitan works. And then suddenly, when you go, and you say, I've repented to Allah, I will not listen, I will not let anybody affect me, the shaitan gives you ideas. He says, okay, okay, go, go here. Put an envelope under the door. Shaitan sometimes gives you ideas. Why? Because where you're heading after that could be even better than that. He, he weighs it out. He says, man, I'm better off with this small good deed than this big deed. Because where he's heading right now, he's going to become even better. He's probably going to go to Hajj. He's probably going to go and start reciting, memorizing the Quran. He's probably going to go and... No, no, no. I'll just solve this for him so that... Because some people, the sin that they have done could be a cause for them changing their life. And the shaitan doesn't like that. Did you know that, brothers and sisters? So anyway... Let's say, for example, husband and wife, there could be big problems between them. Yeah, ikhwan, brothers and sisters, just because she's your wife, just because he's your husband, or they're your children, or that's your parents, or they're your brother and sister, make up with them, yeah, ikhwan, make it up. Talk to them. Constantly ask for forgiveness. Don't wait until you're on a deathbed and say, forgive me. Between husband and wife, it's good to ask them, forgive me. Nothing wrong with that, brothers and sisters. Unless you live with a toxic narcissist or something like that. Alhamdulillah, what do you do? But try. Try your best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what matters to you. Allah is what matters to you at the end. Brothers and sisters, divorces happen, for example. They want to get back at each other. They owe them something. They're not going to give it. They'll take them to court and go through kufr and go through all these things, right? To take what is not theirs. There's nothing wrong with you going to the court to get what is Islamically your right if the person doesn't give it to you. Or if somebody is harming you and your only way is to use the court to protect yourself, you're allowed Islamically. But to go to get what is not yours is haram. Some people, they go to the shaykhs, they said, judge between us. And the shaykhs tell you, this is your right and this is your right. Sometimes either the man or the woman think, I didn't get enough. So what do they do? They go, oh, if I go with the law, I'll get more. So they go and take it out of zulm and perjury and lying. These are major sins, brothers and sisters. Let us repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the day comes when there is no more repentance. My brothers and sisters, last thing I want to say is this. Some people say to me, everything Allah forgives except for shirk. Allah says this, Allah forgives everything except for shirk. Shirk, brothers and sisters, is, is polytheism or making partners with Allah. 
I just want to correct that understanding. Allah on the day of judgment, when everybody has died and He raises you and everything's over, if you die with shirk, major shirk, that will no, not be forgiven. But everything else may be forgiven. Allah says, Allah will not forgive that you make partners with him on the day of judgment, but he may forgive for whatever else he wills. But if you repent from shirk in this life, and you return, and you renew your shahada, and you say, whether it's minor or major, and you, if it's minor shirk, you say, and I repent to you, Allah. If it's major shirk, you and say the shahada again. Alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives, and He accepts the repentance more than a person who lost his camel in the middle of the desert, and then sits there and thinks, I'm going to die. And then he puts himself to sleep on the, on the palm tree and says, I've given up, I'm just going to wait here until I'm dead, because I've got no hope of survival or life. Then he wakes up, and suddenly his camel is in front of him, how Rasulullah said, how, how, uh, how joyful will he be? He gets so joyful that now he's going to have life that he wants to thank Allah. And then because he's so joyful, he loses his mind and he says accidentally, Oh God, you are my slave and I am your Lord. He says it the other way around. Allahumma anta abdi wa ana rabbuk. He's meant to say, Oh my Lord, you are truly my Lord and I am your slave. Because out of joy, he said it the other way. Rasulullah said, Allah is more joyful when his servant comes back to him after a long time, then this man is joyful in that situation. He even said the words wrong. Subhanallah. And brothers and sisters, Allah accepts repentance. And he will not judge your past when you have come back to him. But brothers and sisters, return to Allah. And the signs of your repentance is your regret. And the signs of your repentance is that your iman rises. I in conclude with this ayah. Allah says, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهِ إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَعَلَى رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ Allah says, as a matter of fact, the true believers are those who when Allah's verses are recited upon them, their hearts begin to shiver and their bodies react and their iman rises more than what they felt it before. And they truly put their trust and reliance upon Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardon us. Allahumma innaka afuun kareem. Tuhibbu al-afwa fa'afu anna. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.